0: And These nuts. Yep. And levels are good. All right. So who wants to start it off? I feel
1: like it should be one of us. And then we'll introduce the yeah. Wyoming Souls because the it's gonna sound a little different, but it'll be good.
2: Yeah, you guys, you guys
1: handle it. It'll be good. Sure. <clears throat> Ready? Uh mm-hmm. huh. Oh yeah here we go baby we're in the 70s now episode 70 cautiously optimistic welcome my name is jesse brummel and i'm nick ostler
0: and on the other line you know who it is straight from wyoming it's from sully the
2: 307 boys from the 307 if you didn't know wyoming's only got one area code wait is That's... that real <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> <laughs> state. <laughs> so shout out 307. I've been getting numbers all week, uh, like not of, of anyone important, but like just of friends. And uh, basically everyone says and starts the number without saying the area code and has rattled me basically every time. <laughs> so to repeat that, uh, pretty much as soon as they begin talking. But it's good to be back on the line with you guys. Uh, i love to see uh, your faces, although the viewers won't, but of course they can all hear our lovely
1: voices.
0: Yeah, we're uh, doing a little video experimenting right here for episode 70, and Sully, we just got to ask, you know, how has Wyoming been, how is the drive, tell us everything, we, we've seen some tweets, so we know you stopped in Colorado to see uh, some baseball there, but how's everything going?
2: I made some notes for you guys, so first off, you know, uh, Colorado, and specifically Cheyenne here, is about 6,000 feet of altitude, and uh, I didn't know altitude sickness was a real deal until I, I got it when I was up here, and so that kind of shut me down mm-hmm. for a day. That was the only negative so far from the entire trip. Cheyenne is gorgeous. the whole state is gorgeous really driving across this you know it's, it's hard to compare to anything else in, in the Southland there I'd say come up and see for yourself. Um, so I've loved it so far. It's very windy up here you know it'll be like a 15 mile an hour wind and people say that's a pretty calm day so uh, I'm looking forward to the extreme ones during winter. Um, and then beyond that yeah you know I made that little trip down to Coors Field. I had to do it for the squad go check that out. Um, And, you know, of course, I I had to just make notes and compare and contrast to Dodger Stadium. Obviously, I did the Dodger or the the dog comparison online and, of course, didn't really match the size of the price. But here are the big notes, of course. First off, if you haven't been there, it's just gorgeous. You know, you can tell on TV, but in person, the skyline of Denver is right behind it on pretty much all the sides of the stadium. So it looks really nice. Um, You know, it's... It's kind of a very cool kind of like upper balcony area where you can kind of roll around. You don't even need to buy a ticket uh, for a seat. You can just go to this outdoor bar basically and hang out there, Um, which is cool. But it also goes back to my point, Nick, that we've discussed uh, many, many times about distractions during the game, such as beach balls and waves. (laughs) And that's my biggest problem with course Field is that this is basically just a neutral site, a bar surrounding a baseball field. That's what it felt like for me. And I know it was, you know – mid-season, you know, game, maybe not the biggest important, but this is also a first-place game. We had two teams that were competing. I believe they are tied for first place at the game I was at in the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, and it, it felt like it was a neutral site. You know, I could have been, you know, doing whatever. I swear, you can you can ask my friend Robert Hook who's at the game with me. We saw 16 other major league teams represented through hats, jerseys, jerseys, <laughs> and that would never tie a Dodger Stadium. And I, like, I'm not making that number up. Like, we legitimately, like, saw Orioles, Twins, Brewers, Boston Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Cardinals, Texas Rangers. Like the only team we didn't get to was like the Devil Rays, basically, and that was just because it was too far. So that was a weird thing I didn't really like about Coors. But uh, beyond that, the drink prices and the food prices are the lowest in the MLB, so that's fantastic. And, and downtown Denver is a uh, is just a, a cool place to begin with. So I highly suggest <laughs> going out and checking out a game, especially because if you're a Dodger fan, you know they're not going to beat you up.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of my least favorite things at a baseball game to see other uh, you know jerseys out there. If it's not your home team, I just don't really. I, I, I kind of look at it. It's like you, you're going to a baseball game and you're trying to wear a baseball jersey and you just wear any random baseball jersey, but this doesn't really fly. It just shows that you're not a true baseball fan, a true baseball person. Um, but Coors Field, that it's also surprising to hear that you know there was so little passion for the rockies because i always kind of got the sense watching you know the rockies on uh, playing the dodgers and on tv that the rockies had a pretty solid fan base but i guess that's
2: not the case no i think they certainly have a fan base and this is just one game out of 162 and as i said it's kind of middle of the season even if it was for first place and the fans were there to watch the game those rocky fans were definitely dedicated it just isn't that same intensity as los angeles um, and I know a lot of people, you know, will complain about the bars and left and right at Dodgers Stadium and that too, but this one of course really takes you to a whole new level because if you don't have a railing seat in this area, you can't even see the field. So you're really just drinking for no other reason besides a drink and you're outside. So uh, and I, I agree with you totally on the jersey thing. You know, it just it shows that you have no feel when, you know, let's say the Dodgers and, and you know, whoever are playing at the stadium and if you're not rocking a Dodgers jersey slash gear or the opposing team, you're just in some third party I'll never understand that at any
1: sporting event. I will admit, there has been one game where I did it. I don't exactly remember yeah, which one, but I know I have. Because you're a clown. You uh. know what I'm saying? I, I've done the – and it was on one of the baseball trips. Never at Dodgers Stadium, but on one of the baseball trips where <laughs> I might have been in like uh, like Detroit. And I just decided, oh, this will be a good day for the Dodgers jersey and went out with it. you know. But not often, but I have done it. And so but one of the questions I have for you though, so where would you put cores? on um on the ranking on the scale of places on pro parks you've been to wow that's tough
2: i don't think i have them all up the top uh but it would be like top five in the te- teeth no it's, it's not top five or top ten okay Listen, the, the the neutrality the the you know the feel of switzerland in that stadium just <laughs> I couldn't, i'm too competitive to to deal with that it's very nice aesthetically is is would probably be up there but just the overall stadium experience i think i i i would have asked for more very nice though. great place to go watch the dodgers i'm sure if the dodgers in town may be different because i've heard their fans travel so well that'd be great
1: yeah
0: you you just missed them i think they were there the week before you got there and going off our uh beer conversation from last podcast or two podcasts ago did you have any coors when you were in coors field
2: I did actually, and uh, it's kind of a funny story because my, my buddy, uh, as I mentioned, Bob Hook, I went with. If you know him; he's an avid fan of Budweiser and hates Coors Light. And so he's been to many Rockies games now, and he has found the two stands in the stadium that sell Budweiser, uh, and they keep it in the back. You can't even see the logo. Um, but I did have a Coors just for the fact that I was at the stadium and uh, good beer prices too. You know, obviously it's not going to cost you. I think I had a regular. You know, would it be like a 20, 24-ounce beer, and was like 8 75. Yeah. 75 um, So that's, I'll take that any day of the week compared to the Dodger Stadium prices, which uh, only seem to be going up.
1: That does sound like a nice Bob Hook move as someone who's met him a few times. That is very on-brand. But yeah. then also, um, before you got to course and to Denver and Wyoming, you made a quick pit stop in Sin City, Las Vegas. Uh, can you tell us anything about that? Did you win any money?
2: Um, yeah, it was interesting because it was a solo trip there. I was by myself. Uh, I only, in totality, I was down 20 when I left, which is mm. essentially a win in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, I put some on Dodgers to win it all, um, so I was fired up about that. Um, and, you know, I had a nice little stop there, checked it out. I actually, uh, and again, I missed it by a day, but I would have been there for one of the uh, Stanley Cup games had I stayed an extra night. Yeah. But uh, I may may have never left. I may have just latched onto Ovechkin in a celebration, if if that was the case. So it's been um, that's yeah, been one been, of the greatest team celebrations. Been going hard ever
1: since. It's been it's been incredible yeah, to yeah. watch.
2: Yeah,
0: I was gonna say I think we could it just go right been. into uh, what the puck segment here and kind of give Swine the floor here because what a week it has been for Swine and Ovechkin and the Capitals. So
2: take it away. You know as as has been. I just appreciate Jesse in every tweet. Not saying that he is a true Caps fan, but a seasonal Caps fan. Yes. That's my fair part about it. Exactly. And I, I love how much you embrace that.
1: I'm not, I'm not going to sit here, because this, this is the reason why I'm not a Kings fan. It's because all the Kings fans are trash Kings fans, and they're seasonal Kings fans, but they never admit to it. I'm a yeah, seasonal... Yeah, shout out Joe. Yeah, exactly. Shout out Joe. Uh, I'm a seasonal Caps fan. I'm a playoff Caps fan. I don't claim to pay much attention during the regular season, although I do get the scores sent to me... Every single time that they uh, play because I forgot and I don't know how to turn them off. But I still count. It still counts. <laughs> and what the puck, Stanley Cup champions. They did it, baby. OV got yeah. one. You know, Vegas, it was a nice year. It was fun. Uh, Capitals with a classy move either today or yesterday took out a, a page ad in the Vegas newspaper congratulating the Knights on a great season and the best inaugural season in professional sports history. That's my team. Class. Class acts. All right? Um, yeah, just.
2: Uh, um, i got to ask you, Jess, what, you know, obviously, as we just kind of precluded to, Ovechkin has been celebrating probably about, you know, what is it, five days in a row now? Yeah, just about. Uh, I'll week straight so what has been your favorite moment from the fountain to going through the mgm after the mgm took out the mm-hmm. promoted ad on twitter and flexing their face yeah anything you have a favorite movie celebration S- moment sleeping with the so cup
1: far? the sleeping with the cup was good i the it's tough the the only one i think that i mean the, the fountain is probably the best um but second best he did a keg stand out of the stanley cup which was pretty incredible um that one was yeah. hilarious and he just like comes back down and he looks like he doesn't know where he is cuz he probably doesn't um and <laughs> Oshi at the at the parade today did a good one where he lifted his shirt over his face then chugged a beer through his jersey on stage which was pretty incredible to yeah. see Oshi's been getting after it too That is that almost seem dangerous Yeah it was almost it was almost waterboardy but you know they were was, doing it in celebration so excited
2: direction on the podcast, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works.
1: Yeah, I think I think so, but you know, he was pumped, the team was pumped, uh, the scene from the parade was incredible, um, and I couldn't be more happy for my, my playoff team. Yeah, and leave it to Jesse to yeah.
0: do the preemptive Stanley Cup celebration on our last podcast, because he knew uh-huh. this was going to happen, and you know, as he calls himself, Jesse is the Oracle, and he knew this was going to happen, the Capitals are the Stanley Cup champions, and uh, it's just really, a really big what the puck moment.
2: What the puck. What the puck.
0: Alright, I'm going to pause it for a sec. Alright. And as you guys may have seen on our social media, one of the last meals that Sully ate before he headed out onto the road, onto the deep and winding road to Wyoming, was, of course, Lucky Boy, who happens to be our sponsor here on Episode 70. Isn't that right, Jesse? Oh, you already
1: know it's right. We went and we hit Lucky Boy to send Sol off to Wyoming in the best way possible, and that's with a nice breakfast burrito. But anything they have, we had our friend Jordan in there, had a breakfast sandwich. Uh, people were out here getting this and that because literally everything on that menu is delicious. And- yeah, you know... You can't live in
2: yourself either. That same day we were in there is about 10 a.m., and our friend got chili cheese fries. So that menu is wide open all day, every day. Jesse, as you mentioned, that breakfast sandwich, I pretty much wake up every morning now in Wyoming and think about it. Those okay. breakfast burritos are in my dreams every night. What can I say? You know, I think about it all day, every day. So I need all you viewers to do me a favor. Go to Lucky Boy right now, take a photo of it, buy 15 burritos, and you should be straight. I think that they would all appreciate that. We appreciate that. Uh, and you know where to find them, right? Where do you find them, man? Eh?
0: You can find them down on Pasadena Arroyo Parkway. There, uh, you know where it is. That's the main location. We don't really need to talk about the other location because there's only one true location. And you heard them. You heard Sully. You know he is now in Wyoming, but he's still thinking about those burritos. He's still thinking about Lucky Boy. So you should too. If you're gonna hear it from anybody, listen to it from a guy who is not even in the city anymore to tell you to go to Lucky Boy in Pasadena
1: and so if you're thinking about them all the time but you need a real picture of them you can find them on Instagram over there at Lucky underscore boy underscore restaurants on Instagram or you can hear about it whenever you want on episode 62 of our podcast with the lucky girl Christina Karagias nice that I have some uh
0: Yes, yes, yes. Lucky Boy is so good. And you know someone who's probably ate a lot of... Wait. And you know someone who's probably eaten a lot of burritos in his day? I'm talking about Bartolo Colon, who is coming into Dodger Stadium tonight big sexy with the Rangers against the Dodgers. The second year in a row, he is gracing us with his presence in Los Angeles. And Sully, I know you're a big fan of the big sexy. He was on the Twins
2: last year. Oh, absolutely. It's hard not to be, you know. And I, would, I as well, Nick, would be excited about seeing him in the stadium. But, you know, one thing I don't think Bartolo would stand for, or maybe he would because he did it two times, but I saw you tweeted out a little quote to it yesterday, Bartolo, and maybe didn't get enough love, and then uh, it was deleted, <laughs> and I saw it pop up again about an hour ago. Nick, you want to call? I'm going to call you out right here, my man. What happened with that?
1: I'm glad that you picked it up. I almost talked about it off air today, but I figured I'd bring it up later, but you said, let's go with it now, baby i bring uh, these things up before the show, so I got to
2: sure. ask
1: them now here. You
0: know? Sure, yeah, you know, it, it was an honest mistake. I thought there was a Dodger game last night when it was actually going to be the next night, so I sent the tweet a day early. That was my mistake. Um, it was a classic mix-up of the day of the week,
1: and that's only that's my only excuse. My favorite that's thing about it was that he, uh, you could tell he was excited for the tweet because he tweeted it and then went quote tweet with his own tweet and exactly. then exactly. did the that's same what exact yeah, the quote tweet again. Yeah. It was good.
2: No, you know, and, and you know, it's okay, Nick. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know you. You know, we, we love everything you you on social media. I just had to let that be known. But yes, I think everyone should be excited, <laughs> not only for Bartolo's to return tonight, but as well as Adrian Beltre. You know, uh, I've seen a couple. I think a headlines today. You know, uh, talking about this is the one player the Dodgers really let get away in the last twenty years. Um, I know Jesse probably have some other uh, players that you could argue against too. But it's,
1: uh, it's gonna be a it's going to be fun night, I think, for the Dodgers. Well, with Beltre, too, I mean, I, I can agree with that to an extent because of that, Now I don't want to say drought at third base after he left for a while, but I mean, like, because I, I mean, I respected, you know, Casey Blake, but he wasn't doing what Beltray was doing at the time, so you could say that we did let him go, and I mean, would have been nice to have him on some of those teams. Yeah, Beltray is one of my favorite players, he got his 3,000th hit last
0: year, um, I think I mentioned it on the podcast before, but... Uh, when I was nine years old, he was the guy I was chosen to run out onto the field with as one of those little uh, little kids doing that. But um, speaking of third base droughts, you know Justin Turner came back and now is out again with some uh, wrist uh, sore wrist the uh, with some soreness in his wrist. But somebody who has been filling in nicely on those corner infield spots, first at third base, now playing some first pushing uh, Cody out to center field, and I'm talking about Mad Max Max
1: Muncy. Max Muncy is. One of my favorite Dodgers because he does—he's just like, he's just out there. He doesn't—you—if know, you see him on the streets, you're probably not like, this guy's an athlete. Like he's—he's oh, yeah. he's one of those that dudes is, that's just there, just letting it fly, and I love it.
2: That's my favorite part uh, about Max Muncie, and, and you know I'm probably not the one to talk about anyone's physical shape or form at this point in my life, but Max Muncie is uh, is what a lot of baseball guys like to refer to as a bad body. Uh, <laughs> you look at him and you're like, wow, this guy's got about three miles of legs. Then he kind of looks like Groot up top with that little, you know, small section. He's got an interesting little beard going on. But, hey, when you hit as many home runs in the majors in 44 games as you did your entire year in AAA last season, uh, it's hard to argue with those results. And, yeah, I think you put it right. Pushing in Cody out to the uh, outfield is, isn't is even a bad thing. You know, a lot of people complain about, uh, you know, maybe that's taking away from his hitting this year, and that's part of the issue. But uh, Cody, I think, is, is too good to have something like that affect him. You know, uh, defense... It's not something that is necessarily ex- like extremely draining in baseball, to a certain degree unless you're pitching or catching, um, or you have some kind of crazy inning. So I think center field isn't really a place that's going to affect as bad as much. And it's good to see Max doing well. You know, it's hard to argue against those kind of numbers.
0: Yeah, the numbers you mentioned. You know, Max, twelve home runs. Cody is now picking up the pace a little bit within the power department, and another guy who's having some success hitting the ball far is Jock Peterson.
1: And I know Swine here. Has some breaking news. Yeah, so I, I think I have a, a, the reason, if not one of the reasons, why he's been hitting so well. I mean, I, I have some sources uh, that were at the gala last night, the, the Dodgers Foundation uh, gala that had it at the stadium. I had some sources there um, doing some research for me. And, um, you know, I got a picture of Jock in the middle of everybody. Everybody's dancing, having a good time, listening to John, John Legend. And Jock is sitting down on a couch eating in and out Ooh, and that's what I think he's been doing. I think he's probably taking his in and out consumption up, and it's starting to produce for him. Because you know, on this podcast, all of us know, and everybody who listens knows in and outs the best fast food in the world. It's not close, it's not fair. Yeah,
2: and actually, uh, my, uh, my hot name, I have a shout out later in the show that directly relates to that. So I'll get to that a little later. Beyond the In-N-Out it doesn't relate to anything much besides that. Now, another reason I think you could even toss on top of that just, although a lot of, weirdly, a lot of baseball guys, you know, the relationships they get into on and off the field is another type of thing that kind of, like, is just, like, stepping on the foul line. It's just, like, what kind of socks you put on your feet. A lot of guys think that affects the way you play. Um, And Jock, this offseason, was married, you know, and Mm. so maybe that just locking that up, taking that next step into life, maturing outside of the field has allowed him, which are on the field. And, and, you
0: know. I'm pretty sure uh, the whole Dodger team got married this offseason. Yeah, it felt like <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: um,
0: and maybe now that he's married, you know, he's locked down. He can kind of get that dad bod going and you know, trying to get like that Max, Max Muncy body, like you just mentioned, you know, because Max Muncy's hitting the home runs with that body. So Jock's eating in and out and, you know, his wife won't care because they're married now. So it all makes kind of makes some sense there, you know?
2: But yeah, but the internet is really probably what's powering him there. You know, he's a California kid, so he knows that he's been fueled by that his entire life. Uh, you know, the Dodgers obviously they made that transition over the last couple of years to have their locker room be a much greener environment as far as the food goes, healthier, fresh foods. Um, you know, renovating everyone's diets and maybe for the other twenty-four guys on the roster that was great. They needed that; they're in shape. Jock's not that guy. Nope. Double double. Give me that. That's a home run and waiting to happen.
1: Yeah, I really just think he's, he's maneuvered into this strong in-and-out diet, you know, got to get take a double-double down maybe a day every two days. Whatever he's doing, it's working, and we'd love to see that. And, and we want to see these guys like Kenta Maeda come back. Uh, Walker Bueller, unfortunately, out, but we want to see him come back in style and come back strong. When do we think this is going to start happening, you guys? Well, Maida is going to be
0: back this week, they said. Uh, Dave Roberts announced it. I think he's going to start tomorrow, which is Wednesday. But again, this Dodgers rotation is such, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in a lot of flux. You know, one guy goes in, another guy comes out, all that stuff. And uh, yeah. Bueller is now the guy who has a bruised ribs, and that's a little bit concerning because he had been pitching very well.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that is, you know, obviously you don't want to see anyone go on the DL, but this was because of a comeback or it wasn't necessarily any type of throwing injury. So this is just a quick two weeks and Walker Bueller could be back. Walker Bueller could also be one of our couple all stars this year. I think some of the early predictions, the three I saw getting in, of course, Matt Camp, uh, Yasmani Grandal, and Walker Bueller because he as far and away. I, I mean, unless you go and argue with Ross Stripling, but Bueller has been the best pitcher for the Dodgers in the starting rotation since he's come up. Um, so we got Caleb Ferguson on the mound Tuesday night, right here, followed by Maeda the next night. I'm also interested in Caleb Ferguson because I think this is his first major league start, if I'm not mistaken. So that should be fun. Um, and you know, it's it, I saw Dave Roberts kind of get pressed by that for, for that information last night by <laughs> David Vassay, yeah. which I thought was a little weird, but now we know who started, so I can't really complain.
1: One of the interesting things I saw Joe Davis tweet it today, he said, you know, obviously what most people think of when you talk of midseason acquisitions is through the trade deadline and through trades. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he brought up the fact that the Dodgers, when you approach the trade deadline, are going to be getting all these pitchers back. And so it's like you you don't have these guys for most of the season. It's almost like you're just acquiring more dudes. And it's like they're already in this hunt for first place right now. What's to say that when we get – Kershaw healthy, Hill healthy, Maeda healthy, Ryu healthy. Your uh, Urias is gonna come back this year. Um, those kind of yeah, things he, are gonna help.
2: I think he's a real wild card too. Just I'm glad you brought up Urias because he, uh, you very know, no different getting back. So, yeah. I'm not.
1: Wow. I'm not, I'm <laughs> not I got to get back in the zone of saying Urias, not Urias. There's a kid on my basketball team whose name is Urias, so I've been like. You know, it's really little... corrupt, too hard there so i thought i'd just say it yeah, yeah. but
2: um yeah you know he that injury is so kind of uh it's messy for pitchers for sure um the shoulder like that is is a big deal for sure so i think he you know because he's so young i still have good faith that he'll be able to come back you know walker bueller is a perfect example he had tommy john before he's even done with college and would he see what he's doing now so it's it almost if it is a blessing for julio it was that it happened this early uh Hopefully he comes back strong, because that would be nasty just to have that kind of addition. You know, be third be better than Darvish at the deadline, essentially.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned his names uh, in passing. You kind of glossed over it there, but I think we have to, again, bring some more attention to Matt Kemp here. He's actually third place in out, outfield all-star voting right now, and it's about that time to get the campaign going. I haven't seen much on Dodgers Twitter yet, uh, like they did for Justin Turner last year, but I'm assuming it's coming soon because we gotta keep Matt in the game right now. I know Charlie Blackman and Ronald Acuna of the Braves are trailing him in four and five right now. It would be great yeah. to see Matt uh, get in this game, and in in, especially with the type of season he's having.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, it's hard to, to disagree with that. I think. Uh... Although Justin Turner's All Star, that whole thing was much more deserving than not saying that Matt Kemp isn't. You know he, that guy just should have been on the roster. And yeah, the just really had to kind of kick that kickstart that whole thing going to make sure he was on um, as the vote in. I don't think Matt Kemp's going to have that issue. Um, it's it, you know the one thing is funny you brought up uh, Acuna behind him as the Braves. Like I saw Freddie Friedman is almost leading the vote getters in all of the NL. I think if I'm not mistaken. Uh, which doesn't make too much sense besides the fact that the Braves voters are really getting out there strong. So, yep. if I was a Dodgers I, fan, I would be a little I concerned would, uh, with him being in the third spot, but he would still get out as a reserve either way.
0: Yeah, I'm, wants, a I'm a little biased towards Freddie out. Freeman.
2: As much as I said, now, Season, I think he probably does deserve to start in that game with the numbers he has, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh. I'm a little biased towards Freddie Freeman. He's on my fantasy team and is having an amazing year, so I would say he is deserving. But again, oh no, I'm not
2: saying that he's not deserving. I'm just saying I don't. Is he the best player in the NL right now? Probably not. But he leads the boat. He's
0: now. he's pretty close actually. He, he's having a career year. Uh, last time, I mean, batting like 340, 12 home runs. Like he's doing pretty well. Um, well, but, write
2: yeah. you about him and you can talk about him, Martinez. Yeah.
0: Uh, Give give us some love to Freddie Freeman, but, of course, Matt Kemp above above everybody else. So just let's make that
2: clear. Um, A quick note, uh, Caleb Ferguson has made one appearance before, and it didn't go well. So hopefully this start goes better. Also, a 38th-round draft pick, pretty rare to make the majors, only a couple years ago. So shout-out him.
0: All right, that's good for baseball. And it's officially the NBA offseason, as the finals were about as boring as we all expected them to be, a clean sweep, Warriors over the Cavs, LeBron, you know, just did all he could, but again, the the Cavs were just not as talented, and it really showed there, game three especially, you know, it was a close game, and then they just brought out the cheat code, Kevin Durant to hit a 35-footer when they needed a dagger, do you guys have
1: any thoughts about the finals other than it kind of was what we thought it was? Yeah, best game was game one, um... I mean, it was going to be a sweep the whole time in my mind. I thought they, the Cavs, might pull out one. If they were going to pull out one, it had to be Game Three. Um, and they made a little run for it, but you know, once they lost Game Three, this thing was a sweep. That was it. wasn't It was pretty much decided. And then, I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts on this series, but what I, I want to know, this whole broken hand thing with LeBron. I mean, yeah, maybe he broke his hand. Is that an excuse, or are you kind of, do you feel a way about him not saying it until after? the series ends? Um,
0: I don't feel a certain way about it. I mean, I think it's even more impressive that he didn't say anything about it during the series. Um, You know, at the end of the day, LeBron knows that the Cavs didn't have enough talent around him to kind of beat the Warriors. And he was just trying his best personally to will that team to a win in the series, let alone winning the entire series as he had done the entire season. So just to kind of, see him put his head down and after the game kind of say, you know, I punch my clock, I do my job, and that's all I'm really, you know, worried about, it kind of goes to his legacy of not really making excuses. Um, you can, people will view it as an excuse because he says it after they lose, but my opinion on that matter is that um, if he did it during the series, it would have looked worse.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you do that after game two, then it's like, oh, well, I've hurt the whole time. And yeah, maybe it wasn't the best time to do it at the press conference after the game or whatever. Uh, but, like, this is just such a blown out proportion story, I think, by the media. Like, they just need something to talk about because the series is so short, you know? Like, it, yeah, sorry they couldn't win a game, sorry LeBron had little to no help. Like, we get all, it was the same storyline for a week. It was honestly one of the most, I thought, it, it was kind of funny because uh, the whole season I thought was going to be pretty tough because we already knew the ending, you know, we knew it was going to be Cavs-Warriors, um, and... It actually, the entire playoffs were great until we got there. That was the worst part of it. Yeah. Um, so it kind of lived up to the expectations we thought, but I don't think it was because of you know a super team or whatever. And um, I, you know, I read a, an interesting thread too this week uh, just on Twitter about the Warriors and, and how not only you know have they kind of like obviously they got all these star players and all this, and have players taking play, like pay cuts, but a lot of it is because. The organization has, has set up a lot of guys that just are able to be unselfish. And I think at this point, after watching them play this whole series, just dominate everyone throughout the playoffs, hard to argue against that. You know, I may not like what Kevin Durant does, whatever it may be. Um, but it was just, uh, it, it's hard, you know, to sit here and not recognize greatness. If people are going to talk about that for LeBron, we should say the same for this Warriors team because maybe one of the best ever and we will probably get like to see something like this again because there's so much uproar about being a super team right now you got to think that the league and other people are not going to let that happen down the line as well as players just making decisions that they don't want to be, um, you know, vindicated for what they want to do with their lives. Uh, unfortunate as that may be.
1: And that's, I think that that's a good point though. I mean, the, what, what's the league going to allow? And I think the most impressive thing about, um, this, this team. Yeah. I mean, it's a top five team ever, probably. Um, I don't think there's much argument for that, but the most impressive part is it all came from drafts and free agency. So, like these are guys that just decided I want to come play on this team. The reason we don't have Chris Paul is because that was through a trade, not through free agency. So you come and you make those kind of <clears throat> those points about super teams and yeah, people are gonna keep making super teams until, like you said, those star players are like, I don't wanna go join a team just to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting how LeBron is now continually losing to a super team even though he was kind of the one to start the super team culture.
2: No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. The Celtics were. Right. Well, I was going to get to that. Well, I just want to clear that because that was something I thought about this week too. And I saw it in the lines. It's like, you can't blame him for that when he didn't
0: even do it. I was actually going to get to that because, you know, people think it's the Cavs starting the super team. And you you said it, the Celtics. And somebody that played against the Celtics a lot was Kobe. And he had an interesting uh, quote in a Howard Beck Bleacher Report article when they asked a lot of former finals MVPs, what this means for LeBron's legacy and Kobe had mentioned that you know he played against what he considered a super team back in the day and which was the Celtics most people mm-hmm. would, would say that you know LeBron started it but at the same time you know I guess you could say that KG Paul Pierce and Ray Allen did it back in 08 and Kobe's perception of this as you you would expect Kobe to say is that greatness measures uh, I mean, I'm sorry championships measure greatness and a lot of people nowadays will say, "Oh, LeBron's legacy is intact despite his three and six finals record." Kobe doesn't agree with that, and I know we've sort of discussed this a bit. I also,
1: I also don't know if that's exactly what he said. Like I read the quote, and to me, what I took from it wasn't that necessarily what ch- the championships define how great you are. It's it's how you bring everybody else up. So how, it's like how do you where, get
0: to a championship with the team team around you, with the yeah, cards you're dealt.
1: Exactly, with the cards you're dealt. But it's it's not. I didn't think it was more of a uh, a thing of saying like well if you don't have five then you're not as great as me. I think it was more of a how are you working with the people that you have to make them be prepared for the moment you're about to get to. Right, I I hear you. But Kobe's quote was like
0: LeBron needs to figure it out, and if he's yeah, and and if what you're saying is that he needs to figure out how to get the teammates around him to places like the finals, he's done that. He's brought a team to win them. Right, but you know, even getting them to nine finals or whatever he has, like especially these last two finals with this team, that's that's a feat in itself. And if Kobe's saying that, oh, you need to figure out how to get that next step, or else you're not maybe
2: fully great. I mean, you think about it, too. It's like, you look at LeBron, you know, he's been, what, the final eight times in a row, right? Uh, yeah. and in the last 15 years, the two worst teams that ever come out of the East were the team that he took to the finals when he was 22 years old out of Cleveland, and this year's team
1: yeah
2: um so i don't know how much more he can do for his teammates although you know i'm always going to try and be on kobe's side as much as i can for these things uh you know i saw a lot of rumbling even from lakers beat reporter guys that maybe kobe just needs to take a moment right now because this is not like a good look for him and i don't know what is going on like you know he doesn't need to go out there and and compare himself to all these people let other people do that and let your rings do the own talking for you you know you don't need to go and speak on everyone and uh, it, it just seems that you know he Kobe is really actively trying to stay within the eyes of, of the entire world. Which I, you know I can understand when you go for being a superstar and not playing the game anymore, you got to do something. But I wouldn't use other players' careers as a platform for that. You know, if you want to do your your videos, your your breakdowns are even fine because I think that to a certain degree helps players when they watch them. But you just comment on someone's championships, especially when. You know, the Lakers have had such great teams over the years that he could rely on. Yeah. Is, is not my mind.
1: Well, this is one of the things about this was, did he need to say all of that? No. But he was also asked about it. So it wasn't like he unprompted just went on Twitter and was like, pop, pop, pop. It was, he was <laughs> asked about it, and he, and he <laughs> well, answered the question cool. the way Kobe would, which I appreciate. Um, and I thought it was an interesting thing to say, because you say, you look at everybody else, everybody else in the article said the same exact thing, just in different words. Then you get to Kobe, and Kobe said, something different, and I thought it was interesting to listen to it at the very least.
0: Yeah, it was Kobe's personality, like his ego, his pride. He's been like that his yeah. entire career, and he has to continue that persona even in his retirement And when he's asked a question like this, even though it probably isn't correct, because in my opinion, and I think we've all discussed this on the podcast before, LeBron's legacy is, is intact. It's solid. He's one of the best players of all time, despite what his record may be in the finals. It's not his fault that he grew up in a time where he has to go against super teams that were created when a guy like Kevin Durant decides to take his talents to Golden State. That's just something that he had to deal with and there's only so much one guy can do and LeBron has pretty much done all of that except maybe get those wins against a team that is has more talented players on that team.
1: What I will say though is this is his legacy is obviously going to be one of the greatest players of all time. That's not debatable but his leg part of his legacy is going to be if he never makes another finals, right if his career ended today. Part of his legacy is 3 and 9 total. You know, or 349, not 3 and nine, three, yeah. four, 9. total. So, that's going to be part of it. And they're not going to look at the fact that, you know, in 30, 40 years, we're not going to be necessarily looking at who he brought in, who he played where cuz like when we look at Jordan, right? The conversation doesn't get down to as much as who did he play in the finals. People just say 6 for 6.
2: Yeah, but I think that that, that narrative has been changed this last week too because people have been doing that research, looking at all the people he had to play throughout the East and all that. And other points on top of that, I think that's kind of BS. That to just break it down like that, you know, uh, how are you going to just like kind of exclude every other type of loss, you know, just because he got to the finals every year? How do you penalize someone for that when you know we saw MJ losing the first round of teams? We've seen yeah. you know Kobe's team get knocked out in the first round. I, like I can't remember LeBron ever losing the first round. Has he? I don't think he, he has, hasn't. right? He hasn't. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, there are certain things that you can use to measure as well beyond championships, and uh, I think especially when it just goes down to individual performances, that is a big part of it. But, yeah, he's one. Yeah, I agree. Well, there's still, there still going to be people that, especially Well, yeah, whether it's right or wrong,
1: is. I think that's going to be part of his legacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's
0: true. 24 straight Eastern Conference Playoff Series wins is pretty impressive, and that's what LeBron has done. Um, again, the Eastern Conference narrative is something that is thrown around uh, in discussing LeBron, you know, he's had an easy road to the finals. Now, he may be leaving the East. We're three weeks away from free agency starting here. And, of course, the Lakers are one of those top destinations. Do we have early thoughts about where LeBron is going to go? Right now, Vegas says the odds are between Sixers, Rockets, and Lakers off the top.
2: Well, I mean, the big two, you know, storylines this week for LeBron in L.A., if you're, if you're following off, that was like, one, he's renovating one of his houses in Brentwood. And the two, the bigger, is coming from Gary Payton, which I don't know if it's been 100% confirmed or not. Confirmed today. Nick, you love this as well, is that the boys will be going to Sierra Canyon out there uh, <laughs> you mightily took down in high school. but Oh, yeah. Those two, those two big things, uh, I think, really, for me, just make it clear that he's going to come to Los Angeles. Why would you send your kids to, you know, basketball season is during the school year. Why would you purposely go away from your family, you know? Especially for the next four, who, like, how old is the youngest one? That's going to be, like, Seven years where he can't be with them every day, every night, come home. Even if they have games, they can go to the stadium. You see he, he goes to his kids after every game and daps them up. That was the first thing he did when he lost the finals, as soon as he left the floor. So uh, and plus Dwayne Wade's comments about how family matters so much to him at this point in his career and that's gonna influence the decision. In my mind, uh, not that it wasn't already made up already, but I think he's coming to Los Angeles.
1: So this is my thing with, so first off, I want to start by another Sierra Canyon uh, connection. My team is actually probably just wrapping up playing uh, Sierra Canyon. Well, not the team that I coach, but one of the teams that our JV team is just wrapping up playing against Sierra Canyon right now. Um, So that's a little fun little fact for you guys. But this whole thing of him coming to Sierra Canyon, I don't think means as much as I think a lot of people are putting it into it. Because there was the Harvard-Westlake rumors two years ago. I think Brownie was always going to come play in L.A. just because L.A. high school basketball is some of the best in the nation. So why would he not send his kid? If he can go wherever he wants, he has a house here in Brentwood. He can send his kid to go play in the best places. Like Sierra Canyon is one of the best programs in L.A. right now. So you have all these things happening. Why not send him there when you can? Um, And and one other real quick. This is good. One other connect, like, little point, when this whole stuff came out like mid-year of possibly restructuring the playoffs, right, forgetting conferences it's just the best 16 teams, LeBron came out of that and said he didn't like that. He didn't want that. That could be a hint of him saying, I kind of want to just stay in the East and go to the finals every year.
2: Yeah, and I think it goes back to, like you're talking about the competition point. It's not LeBron's fault that no one wants to play in the East and no one has since they had that Celtics team besides the Heat. Like he just played was in front of them. It almost is weird to a certain degree because stars keep going to the West, you'd think that someone else would try and build a super team in the East because it would be a little easier. You've only got to get through one team rather than this range of maybe eight to ten great teams you have out there right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I just don't see how a man so dedicated to his image and family life uh, is just going to abandon his kids during like one of the biggest times in their life when they're going into recruitment, uh, a time in his life where his life flipped, you know, he went on Sports Illustrated covers, he did all this and all that, and that same thing's going to happen to his oldest son, you know, Bronny juniors have to go through that at some point, not even if, you know, he may be a sophomore before it even happens, just because he's LeBron's son, so you would think you wanted to kind of mentorship for him there all time, every time, you know, you can say he's just a phone call away, but having your dad there is certainly different.
0: Yeah, and even after the last Game 4 loss in the finals, they talked about this in the press conference, and he says, my family and the people close to me, my, you know, my inner circle, are going to have a lot of say in my next move, and you can read into that however you like. Um, another thing, I guess I haven't really been following high school basketball that much anymore since I stopped working for uh, that, the local newspaper out here. I didn't know LeBron Jr.'s son's name was Bronny until this week. Yep. Anyway. Uh,
2: That's just, what they call him.
0: He's LeBron James Jr., but he goes by Bronny. Right, yeah. I know it was LeBron James Jr. I didn't know he went by the Bronny nickname, which I kind of like.
2: Uh, it's kind of get out of his dad's shadow a bit there, but um it's a little like you know it's like going by billy when you're an adult it's a little <laughs> strange
0: um, well he's still a kid yeah, still, he's still he's just a you gotta do
2: something you know it's like uh i think michael michael jordan has one two two different sons and one of them is like michael jordan jr so like what are you supposed to do about
1: that you know yeah MJ, i don't know and you can um, even go over to you got uh, the actor michael b jordan Put the B in his name specifically so he would stop like being yeah. questioned to see if oh, they were actually Michael Jordan. Like,
2: it, those types of things happen. So, it's just like, well, you know, you guys got my take. I didn't hear a single team come out of you two. I said Lakers. What do you guys got?
1: I think he stays on the East. I think he either I, – I don't even think the Cavs are like are not an option. I think that he could try and get someone to come oh, out I, there and come to the Cavs. LA. Yeah. I think it's either Cleveland, Philly, or L.A
0: i say 60-40 L.A. Uh, Cleveland. I don't think Houston's a realistic option. I don't think Philadelphia's a realistic option, especially after the turmoil they just went through with Colangelo. Um, I yeah. don't think he's going to just get, go to Houston just to get that championship because, you know... And if, if he goes
1: to Houston, there's no Chris Paul.
0: Yeah, they're going to have Cause to... he can't pay both of them. I, I know Daryl Morey is creative with Houston, but I don't even know how they would do that. I'm sure they could figure out a way, but even if they do figure out a way, that team would be weakened. Again, it's still LeBron, and he's going to make the t- any team he goes to good. But... Um, also, another point I forgot to mention about the narrative of the Eastern Conference being weak, I should give credit to LeBron. That part of the reason the Eastern Conference can never get through LeBron is because LeBron. You know, he, there were some good teams in the East. There was the Pacers teams of the early, uh, you know, 2010s, and then the Raptors re- more recently. You know, we've talked about the Zaddy issues, but um, I think uh, LeBron probably. I, I mean, I'm biased here. I want him to come to LA. And another weird thing I've been noticing on Twitter, I don't know what you guys think about this, is. Fans, Laker fans who don't want LeBron to come to LA. First
1: of all, you just glossed over Zaddy issues way oh, yeah. too easily. We, we, <laughs> I gotta take a moment to just talk about the fact that you said Zaddy that comfortably and easily. I'm gonna bring it back. Um, second of all, I look. I don't necessarily like. I, I I like. I understand the people who say they don't want LeBron. I understand it. Do I want LeBron? Of course. Would I be broken up if we don't get him? No. Because the, the youth movement, and that means we can re-sign someone. Yeah. Like, we'll just sign up Paul George and re-sign Julius. Like, we have our options here to keep this moving in the direction we're going. And I'd love to see that. Not to say that LeBron won't help those young kids. A hundred percent he will. No, But we don't need him.
0: Right. Say I, I agree. I would not be broken up if we don't get him. I'm just talking about the the specific instance of fans saying, oh, I don't want LeBron on the Lakers. Yeah. That's, just, think- that's just stupid to me.
2: It's, yeah, it's dumb, because as soon as LeBron comes and if the Lakers win a championship, they would never, they would be like, oh, I don't, I don't even count that brain. Yeah. That's not yeah. going to happen anymore. You know? like, you, you, when the Lakers are good, just as in like any other major city, uh, more fans come out. And so those fans who say they don't want LeBron, probably, I, I don't know what their real deal is. There's no reason to
1: I think. I think, honestly, what it is, is they, I mean, they grew up Lakers fans. They grew up Kobe fans. They don't want to see LeBron get the love that Kobe got. Like, they're never going to love anyone more than Kobe. Never, and so you grow up hating LeBron Kobe for LeBron everything he did. Finals.
2: Huh? We never even got that Kobe-LeBron finals, which would be the one point where I think you could really have some kind of rivalry begin. But it just never really happened. It should, so have, I
0: ha- don't, it should have happened you, in 2009. Yeah. Uh, the Magic beat LeBron's Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that was shaping up to be the Lakers-Cavs finals. But somehow exactly. the Magic got through. Yeah, I got,
2: one last note I saw as a headline today. I just want to know what you guys think. Uh, you know, maybe a little ridiculous, but it was, I saw that Warriors still very interested in trying to bring Anthony Davis in.
1: I saw that too. That would be that would be scary. But they would have—he's not a free agent. You'd t- have to trade play
2: like that. would has to be the sign and trade, um, and then it would just be like at that point. I would just you know, as much as I just complimented the Warriors to a certain degree about how good of a team there. That literally is just building a super team, and then it's just like.
1: Well, that you also have Draymond saying today that he's like not signing yet; he's gonna play the season out um, and kind of just figure that out. Because if he's a defensive player of the year or the MVP or like one other thing, then he's eligible for a super max. He said he said that he took a discount
0: to get KD onto the Warriors, but he's not gonna take a discount again. So it's, it's you can see it already; it's already starting to happen. These. Slight little cracks, maybe, of the egos of these guys on the Warriors where, you know, everybody wants to get their money and they've been winning they're comfortable and they want something new. These are the beginning signs, possibly, of the Warriors kind of fracturing. I'm not saying that's happening by any means, but I'm saying these little things when players want more money or they start getting selfish. Because the Warriors' entire team philosophy is based on unselfishness. And so if, if Draymond is starting to say this stuff already,
1: you know, who knows what can happen down the road. I cannot wait until Draymond signs a max with Charlotte. And averages six, five, and five for a whole year.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be good. I, mean, I think you're gonna appreciate that too, Nick. You're really gonna see those two colors. I would uh, be interested it, to see that. It, it'll be yeah, that that kind of stuff is interesting. I think they all have taken all their pay cuts now. Obviously, all the guys on the bench, the Livingston, the Iguodala, they did that to get their rings, and now they've got those in bulk. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they kind of go because you know they're not gonna just go out and find Sean Livingston, and Iguodala again. Those mm-hmm. guys, not only were they great, but they played great within that system. I saw a rumor that they're trying to get Trevor Ariza, which would, I guess, kind of equate to that. But I don't think they can continue that at this pace. Um, that, I think it's another reason why it makes the Bulls so impressive that they can keep a team like that together for essentially seven years. Even after Michael took off for a year too, um, no other team in recent history is able to do that. Not even you know Shaq and Kobe. They, they yeah. couldn't be along for more than a couple of years. So
1: it's all uh, about <clears throat> it's all about these guys wanting their money, and that's what it's going to come down to. Where you know, and that's yeah. where the friction started with Shaq and Kobe is that. They're paying one of them. They're not paying the other. Who's it going to be kind of thing. And then, obviously, I don't even
2: even mind that
1: from the athlete's point. Like, get your money. No, 100%. But that's where it's going to start. And so these guys like Draymond are going to take their max. If that means leaving, he's going to do it. You know, like, Clay said he's willing to take another cut. But, you know, what is he realistically going to get on the Warriors versus somewhere else?
0: Yeah. And bringing things back to the Lakers, it's June. And for the first time in I don't know how many years, the Lakers aren't really – too focused on the upcoming draft. They don't have a lottery pick this year, but they are doing some other things in the offseason on social media. Specifically, Lanza Ball has dropped a diss track of Kyle Kuzma called Kylie Kuzma. Have you guys heard it?
2: Well, we all heard it at the beginning of the episode, so I'm sure everyone has now, but uh, it's it uh, it's fire. There's no getting around it. And, you know, I think Kyle Kuzma deleted his Instagram response to it, just saying he was going to whoop his ass, but uh, I, I'm not expecting it to have a diss track back from Kyle, so. Uh, It was fun.
1: It was so incredible to see. I was watching PTI earlier today, and it's like they were they were arguing about it, and it was just like you see. Not and I love Wilbon and Kornheiser, but arguing about it. They were so out of touch. Like they're acting like they're like they're like oh, how can this player make a diss song about someone on his own team? And I'm like, this is just so it's so funny. Like because a we know that nothing's serious. Like Kuz and Lonzo love each other. Like, we okay. know this. There's no issues there. And so when something like this happens, like, is there this happening in the locker room? And it's like, the he was confused. He goes, in the time that I spent with the Lakers, like, they were inseparable. So this is, like, odd to see. And I'm just like, all these older guys in sports media, they just don't understand I, it, which is so funny to me. I, I want to talk about that. I saw another take that was brought to my
0: attention on Twitter today that was possibly even worse than that. And it was, do you think that teammates beefing with each other, poking fun at each other on social media, roasting each other, is showing a, a juvenile sense of a team that somebody like LeBron would be turned off from in free agency.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you're asking me if LeBron hates fun?
0: Exactly. That's a strong take. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I don't think LeBron hates fun. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. Know, I, I
0: think I think it was pretty, okay. I forget who it was, yeah. but it, it was somebody who was pretty well-known in, in the basketball Twitter world, and he was arguing that you know, this is not what the Lakers should be promoting here. They should have less fun on social media. They should be more like, you know, strapped up and gentlemanlike yeah. and that kind of thing. That's terrible. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: and I was like, no, yeah. LeBron would probably LeBron would probably smile if he has not, if he uh, heard uh, the diss track if he hadn't heard already.
2: Like, look LeBron during the off season. That's all he does is have fun. He puts up those videos, those selfie rap videos. That's yeah. literally his whole M.A. Like, yeah. what? what is he... Why would he ever have an issue with another team doing that when they're not playing while they're working out? You got plenty of free time. He knows that just as well as anyone.
0: Yeah, and even if even if he did uh, see this video, I don't think uh, early June, Alonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, diss track on SoundCloud is going to affect LeBron when he walks into a room with, like, Magic and Rob in three weeks. You know what I mean? He's probably on vacation right
2: now, not even on Twitter, so... And first off, uh, it's on Apple Music, Nick, so don't sell, uh, don't sell Zoe Short there. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. Yeah, no, it's okay. The other thing, it, it's just weird. we're talking about disconnects. Uh, you know, we have, I feel like like uh, Lonzo's just out there having fun. You know, he's rehabbing. He's getting that knee strong. He says that 100%. Meanwhile, you got his pop saying that if all three aren't on the Lakers, then he's going to pull them all off. So, <laughs> a wild world right now.
0: He's the worst. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's, uh, I don't know. Can, can LeVar breach the contract like that? Could he actually pull Lonzo oh, off the Lakers? No, he's <laughs> <as> an adult. He <laughs> yeah.
2: um, doesn't need you
0: know,
2: a parent's permission to sign his contract.
0: Yeah, yeah. Lonzo's basically paying for everybody in that family now. So, Also, yeah. um, speaking of pulling things away, Steve Ballmer <laughs> appears to be pulling the Clippers away from Staples Center. They just announced plans to develop an arena out in Inglewood. and We're all Lakers fans here. I think it's about time that Staples Center belongs to its rifle owners, and the Clippers can get the heck out of here, if I'm uh, being completely honest.
1: I'm, I'm excited for the Clippers to be gone. I would have liked it to be a little further, uh, maybe go to San Diego, even, even take them up to Seattle, like Seattle still needs a team. Throw them over in Vegas. Vegas is going to get a team soon. Um, so Inglewood is still a little close, but as long as they're out of Staples, I'm happy.
2: Yeah, I don't get you know, the need you know for bigger markets. I feel like they always need to have two teams because you get such a blend of people that most people – Kind of either have their teams already or they like the one in the city. So when you have two, it just, it's strange. Now, as we all know, the Clippers, just it doesn't ever feel like home in Los Angeles to a certain degree. Um, even when they were that good, it was still all about the Lakers there. So I think getting some space is definitely in their best interest, but I'm also with you, Jess. Uh, I think Seattle would be the spot for them right now because – uh, you know, we saw uh, Russell Wilson put down uh, some money towards getting them a basketball team as well as a uh, baseball team in the future, um, I think in Portland too. But it's uh, it's time, you know. I think the Clippers need to, to mix it up at least. It, it's kind of like when so many things have happened here, so many negative things have happened here especially, it would be great to just get a fresh start.
0: Yeah, I and mean, Seattle has always been – It would make the most sense, obviously, because that city deserves a team. Plus, Steve Ballmer has a house there with all the Microsoft work he does, and it would make sense for him to take his team back up to where he's probably going to be doing most of his business. But he's come out and said that it's going to be an L.A. team. We're at the L.A. Clippers forever. Don't worry, we're not moving to Seattle, which is just another unfortunate decision by that franchise. Cool. And now it's time for the fast food flavor. Fast food fast
1: flavor.
0: Food. Let's do that over. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. And now it's time for the fast food
1: flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. Swine, what's on the menu today? So we talked about it in one of the last times we all met. Um, Jack in the Box has come out with a soda fries. And I told you guys I heard about it and I drove straight over to the Jack in the Box. They didn't have it. So I said, you know what? They better have it now. So I went over to that Jack in the Box. Sure enough, they had it. Um, they have two more options along with the asada fries. They're all in, like, boxes, like a, like a Chinese food box. Um, and I'm just going to throw it out there before I even get to the percentage. It's the worst fast food flavor item so far. Oh, Good. it Any is. Dessert? It's not even asada fries. It's, like, cheese fries with guacamole and two pieces of carne asada. And, like, I'm talking about pieces of carne asada that you would get in a taco, like, not big. This is not asada fries. Um, they're just melted cheese fries in a box with bad guacamole mixed in. It's, it was very disappointing. I was, I was pretty excited to try them. I knew they weren't going to be great. Um, but I wasn't expecting this, you know, we're sitting here. I, I, you know, I opened up the box and I got a little, uh, upset just by looking at it. So it's pretty much (laughs) the worst in all categories of the swine scale that we've had. It's, it's really tough. Um, it's not great tasting. Uh, it's three dollars, and for a thing with no meat, I shouldn't be getting three dollars charged from that. Um, it's it's tough. You know, you got your. It's not easy to combine with things too. Of course, I got the two tacos, but it's weird. What do I eat in what order? It just didn't feel right, um, and it didn't feel right coming out later. As as the first thing I hopped in here today. And the first thing I did, I had to the bathroom. Sorry, Nick.
0: <laughs> wow. That's disappointing. I know Twitter is going to be disappointed about that, too, because we got a lot of requests to uh, for our thoughts on those fries. And you heard it here, folks. This is not going to make you happy.
1: So the overall total for the asada fries comes out to a 66. And, you know, I, I, I think that might be generous, um, but a 66.
0: Wow. But, Disparaging Yasiel Puig with that number. I know. It's tough.
2: It's tough. Uh, just so I, there are some some fast food options around here that are not available in LA, which I'm pretty fired up about. Uh, most notably, a place called Culver's, which we talked about with the yes. former uh, guest and friend of the pod, Sam Decker. So I have hit that up once and you know, got some cheese curds back in my life. <laughs> and, although I'm not technically I'm not in the Midwest. Uh, don't get it twisted. You don't call people from Wyoming the Midwest. We are in you know mountain range, the Mountain West, if you want to call it. Uh, but Culver's is, is a treat. Also a fun thing I found out, forty five minutes away in Ports Collins, we have a waffle house. Woo! maybe the like most farther and west waffle house in the nation. this yeah, there's one in, like Arizona or something. But it's not in like northern Colorado, which is strange, right in a college town there. So hopefully I'll get down there one night and check that out. Um Yeah, those and and there's one unfortunate note I have to uh, report on. So We have all the the regular things out here, Jess. Yeah. From Taco Bell to Wendy's to, you know, McDonald's, uh, a Chick fil A here. Uh, But there is a fast food chain in this area which actually started in Cheyenne uh, for Mexican food. And it is called Taco John's. Wow. Uh, I think by the name, I haven't tried it yet, but I (laughs) don't have too high of expectations (laughs) for John making tacos.
0: Probably just uh, pass on by that. No need to uh, to give that a test. Oh, no, I'll try it for you guys. No, you have to uh, try
1: it
2: at least. All right, yeah, I'm gonna try it at least. Like, All right. uh, uh, I talked with one of my coworkers today, and he said he enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, but he's also from Connecticut, so.
0: Well, you're you're
1: already on an adventure to Wyoming. It couldn't hurt to go on another adventure to Taco John's. And I will say, I will say that sometimes those kind of places are surprising, and I haven't been to a place like that where the, the name doesn't instill confidence in you in somewhere other than in L.A. So all the Mexican yeah. food in L.A., I'm assuming even a, a place like Taco John's, does surprise me from time to time when it doesn't necessarily look like it'll be authentic. It, it sometimes is. I'm not yeah. saying I expect that for Taco John's, but yeah. you might have a nice surprise over there. Who knows? I'm just hoping it'll be decent. You know, kind of like the more whitewashed
2: Mexican food, a Chipotle-esque type thing. Yeah. We also have Qdoba here if I want to make
1: something out with Kidoba, it's not it's not Chipotle, but it's not bad.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it.
1: So, yeah. Thanks. Uh, and I appreciate the carne
2: asada fry update. I'll make sure not to get those. So. There's,
1: there, yeah, but try the two other boxes. I've not yet to try them, but I will eventually for you guys. Um, but yeah, don't get the asada box if you're gonna go get one of those loaded fried boxes. We have been warned, and that has been the fast food
0: flavor. Fast food flavor. Fast food flavor. And so we can edit that. <laughs> these test, these test, 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 these test, nuts. All right. All right, here we go. I think we got it. These okay. These nuts. And here we go. And it is now the time of that show. And that's not how I'm going to start that. And it is now the end of the show, which means it's time for our super hot, interesting takes and shout-outs. I think we all have a lot to say here, and I think we'll go to our man out in Wyoming, out in the field, Sully. Yeah, I got help for you right
2: there. I'm going to start out with a hot take for you, Nick, and that is Game of Zones is absolute trash.
0: You got to run it back. You got to run it back. Nick didn't have volume up. Sorry, run it back. Yeah, start over.
2: Genius. Go. All right, tell I'm going to go. Just Okay. Yeah, I'll start it out on here, and, you know, this is something that Nick and I discussed earlier, but I just want to make it clear that Game of Zones is trash. Uh, uh, those Blue <laughs> Report shows are directed for 16-year-olds. Maybe a little more mature than that, but it is just not that funny. I, You know, I get they have some witty stuff on there. I guess they stay up to the headlines pretty well, but they're a media company, so they should do that, and it's not too impressive. But, uh, yeah, maybe when you grow up a little bit, Nick, you can appreciate some actual comedy. Yeah. Uh, Maybe like tune into a WoB live stream to get that kind of info if you want. Those are some actual funny things. But uh, yeah, that's all i got to say for that. Do you want a rebuttal for that, should I go to my shout out?
0: I do want a rebuttal, because that was my take, and Game of Zones is great. And I think you are in the wrong here. I don't know how you don't like Game of Zones. It's very creative, very funny, uh, good animation, quick turnaround, very in-depth in the NBA Twitter culture. And I enjoy it. I enjoy every season. And for you not to like it is just another misdirection in your line here of beach balls waves and now game of zones as i said on twitter what's next are you going to
1: hate california first of all i just want to throw this out there yeah you said Can i
2: stop? I, want- I didn't reply to that because that was one of the worst comebacks i ever saw and i just had to leave it there because i did not want to destroy your life on twitter and i thought i might as well just keep it friendly uh was that even like a well thought out <laughs> joke it looks like you're right over game of zones with that kind of crap
1: you said misdirection of your line, which I don't even know what exactly that was even. That was just not a well approach, not a good approach. I feel like you right now. Um, yeah, I was going to say um, your
0: sentence is going off that misdirection of yeah, the line. Yeah, exactly,
1: too. exactly. And and I'm just going to chime in here because we have one on one extreme and one on the other extreme. Uh, I have never been uh, intrigued to even watch an episode. Oh, so, so you haven't seen I have episode. not seen an episode of Game of Zones, but every time it pops up, it's always Bleacher Report quote-tweeting themselves with new Game of Zones cry-face laughing emoji like four times. And I'm like, I don't need this self-promotion. Like, if I see it, I'll watch it if I have some time. But I've never watched one. I've never been uh, uh, intrigued enough to watch one. I've never wanted to. Okay, well, I think that's a call to
0: action. I think for Episode 71, your homework is to watch Game of Zones. See, see, if, you, see if you like it.
2: You should also know by now not to assign me homework. <laughs> I should, you're right. <laughs> father for some reason, even though he likes children's shows. But, uh, it is what it is. Uh, I'll go into my shout-out now because we just, we'll just we just take this on a Twitter at this point. I think that's probably the best. Uh, this one maybe on a little more serious note, but it also I think very much so relates to our podcast. Just want to shout-out Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I watched a, a five-minute interview with him this week discussing why fast food... and not Sorry, not fast food. White now is the best fast food. And it's something that he always got when he came to Los Angeles. The first time he came to the city and just as soon as he left. So Rest in peace to Anthony Bourdain, uh, I think more than a chef, you know, just a cultural phenomenon and someone that all of us as journalists should look up to, so yep. shout out him and his love of Indiana. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah, rest in peace to Anthony Bourdain. I also have a shout out that's to my sister Kimberly, who underwent surgery this past week and is recovering like a champ. She's doing well. A little uh, tonsil surgery, but uh, had to go under, you know. I've never been put to sleep um, in a surgery, so I don't know how that's like. I've always wondered about it, and she did it. So Good job on the
1: recovery, and you uh, be back in no time. Shout out K.O. one time. And then cool. I'll actually go into a quick shout out here. Uh, you were discussing a little bit of fast food there, so my um, is a fast food shout out as well. Um, and you guys know how I feel about Burger King, but um, I do want to shout out the Burger King that's been near me for my my closest Burger King for my whole life. Uh, it, they lost their lease. Ah, that Burger wow. King on, on Lake is shutting down um, Out of all the Probably 12 times I've been there in my life um, It's still sad to see it go Right next to that McDonald's McDonald's just did a um, renovation And it just back opened up And that's probably was the last straw For Burger King right next to him And So uh, shout out to Burger King For keeping whoever eats at Burger King uh, Full Yeah I think that's a, a-
2: I was going to say a Travis. I don't know if a travesty. Or to Casper. Okay. Uh, we, we could tell oh. it was going uh, uh. Right. that was him. him. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing there, just I don't know how Burger King remains open for so long, but they, they really keep it rolling. So like, that's good for them, because not many other businesses can do that.
1: That's really what it was, too, because I saw the, the sign go up saying, we lost our lease, Like thank you to all our loyal customers. And I was like, what was it before that? And I realized it was nothing, at least that I yeah.
0: know of. Well, it's a tough blow for Burger King, but maybe those customers can head down a little bit farther south in Pasadena to Lucky Boy. Remember, to go there, as Sully did before he left Wyoming, it's great fuel for a road trip, or it's just good fuel for hanging out with your friends, as we've all been known to do at the luxurious and wonderful establishment
1: called Lucky Boy. Yes, and by the way, go to Lucky Boy, but also follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Snapchat, follow us on MySpace. Subscribe, rate, yeah. comment. We still have our competition going, the comment competition. Uh, C squared, as I'm calling it, as of right now. Uh, so go leave a fun comment, and uh, Nick is going to give you something really fabulous.
0: Very fabulous. And I think Sully is going to give us something fabulous. Because, Sully, you're starting work. Say it again? I said Sully is also going to give us something fabulous, because I believe you're starting work this weekend up in Wyoming. Are you excited? Are you ready? Are you nervous? Are you anxious?
2: Yeah, you know, a little bit of all of those. Excited for sure start Saturday. Um, you know, not a ton going on around this weekend. It's usually going to start on a weekend to begin with, but uh, there is a uh, college. It's the national college rodeo finals, I believe, uh, in Casper, and I'll be in town for that, so I may go over to get my first rodeo experience, check all that out. It uh, should be an interesting thing, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, yeah, you know, I appreciate the support, guys. I miss you. It was great to do this. I'm glad to hear your voices. Uh, and you know all that good stuff so uh, I appreciate we can keep this rolling and and shout out all the people still tuning in because cautiously optimistic never
0: exactly as promised we're back with cautiously optimistic even if we are in different states we'll continue to keep this rolling as Sully gets more comfortable in Wyoming as we continue to progress into the wonderful summer that is approaching again thank you very much for listening to episode 70 we are in the 70s and we're very happy that you have joined us once again Alright. It, yeah, it is hot in here right now. and My computer is struggling. <laughs> Alright.